pull up a chair and join us at the Energy Roundtable. Welcome to Energy Roundtable, our first of the year 2022. Uh, and always my combatant, my discussion uh, team member, uh, Lisa Katz. Lisa, welcome to our first uh, Energy Roundtable of 2022. Thank you very much, Matt. And to our listeners, if we can still say it, Happy New Year, I guess. Yeah, right, exactly. It's a little, when does that run out? Middle of the month? Anyway. I know. That's what they say, middle of the, run, the month. So we're, we're in the tail end. But uh, I did see Pascal in one of our, e- one of our uh, emails with clients today, wishing them a Happy New Year. So I'm just, I'm copying that. <laughs> it, we're, I think we're close to the Chinese New Year, aren't we? Uh, yeah, I think so, actually. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's jump in. We each have two articles. Um <laughs> Why don't uh, why don't we have you go first, Lisa, and we'll go back and forth and talk about what's new in our energy space. Sure. No, that sounds good. It's been a little while since, so I feel a little rusty, actually. But this one is from the Toronto Star. It was in the food section, of course, the Toronto Star, although my second one is not from it. Um, and it's titled Getting Real About Fake Meat. Um, and its subtitle is Ditching Beef for Plant-Based Burgers Might Not Be the Best Way to Save the Planet. And so it's really talking about this trend and the fact that Bill Gates and Leonardo DiCaprio, they've invested heavily in two of the biggest plant-based meat substitute companies, which is called Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat, and how so many people are suggesting that this is the best way to reduce your carbon footprint, or I shouldn't say the best way, but one of the best ways from a food consumption perspective. And experts are suggesting that it might not actually be the best way, um, and that um, they're suggesting that food manufacturers might not be as green as they appear, and they might be cherry-picking metrics to make their marketing case. Um, and and then it goes on to indicate that they really focus on CO2 emissions and that they don't focus on some of the other pieces that build up that story. So, for example, monoculture farming, which is basically where you're taking, uh, you know, a specific crop like peas or soybeans, um, and you're you're planting just that crop. You know, are they looking at things like soil erosion or the dependence on fossil fuels because of fertilizers, or you know, the nightmare that it can create for biodiversity? You know, a lot of them aren't. Um, right. And then then the article talks about Impossible Food CEO Matt Brown, and <laughs> and it's kind of interesting. He says that you know the the reason that they they do what they do really is to reduce the environmental footprint of the food system and to make it better for everyone on the planet. And by by basically looking into these metrics, it will make them less impactful because they are, quotations, wasting resources to satisfy an Excel jockey, <laughs> which was quite interesting. Um, Funny. And then the article sort of just kind of completes the story and hops over really to the other side of the fence by suggesting that Researchers from John Hopkins University have found uh, the environmental impact of plant-based meats was much lower than beef um, for all sustainability metrics studied, which include greenhouse gas emissions, blue water footprint, land use, pesticide use, and so on and so forth. But scientists are arguing that it's important to remember it's not always appropriate to make this comparison, and it often depends on where you are from a geographical perspective and how the whole value or food chain is put together. So I, I thought it was interesting really just for a bit of comedy in a way. Um, and But but also, like like anything, we have to really think about the full value chain or the full, you know, build, like like if we're, if we're comparing this to electric vehicles, like 
where the where are the you know the the uh, where's the makeup of the batteries coming from right and what do you what are you doing with the batteries afterwards and like really figuring that out I think that's going to be important as individual consumers as we continue to move forward in this energy transition and we're making those personal decisions on what to do with our energy right yeah and and uh, you know icons of my youth uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and <laughs> Titanic, uh, yeah. Per, per, yes, perhaps Titanic and, and Windows 95 in, in the case yes. of uh, Bill Gates. Um, you know, so obviously want to support what they're doing, but it's great to, you know, have this discussion around how, how we've used this expression before. How 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 broad is the is the uh, is the control volume, right? Like how wide are you considering, you know, this discussion and it's good to it's good to bring a, it's always good to bring a, a counter a, a position to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's 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 a good thought that you know, and it gets into agriculture and the impacts in agriculture. And um, as as everybody knows, um, you know, I, I'm a big animal fan, and and you know, and particularly on my plate, um, you know, growing. <laughs> um, and so th- this article seems to support you know that approach to uh, to uh, to eating. Um, and uh, for those who who know the 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 shtick here, we have a face off at the end, and and that comment about animals on my plate may come back to haunt me uh, later but stay tuned for that <laughs> so uh awesome great article i will i will jump into my first which is uh from power engineering uh, which is power hyphen eng.com is the website uh, the title is small modular reactor tech could renew interest in nuclear power so a lot of big i won't kind of get into too too much detail but a lot of good information here uh, you know, quotes from the Tennessee Valley Authority, which is a big uh, power generator and utility in, in America. They carry a lot of weight. I uh, believe the uh, Secretary of Energy is quoted in here, you know, talking mm-hmm. about Biden's new infrastructure plan as two and a half billion dollars for advanced reactor research and development. Um, you know, and, and, you know, looking for, uh, you know, small modular reactors like down to even looks like a, a megawatt and a half. Um, so, you know, that this is something, if we can figure this out, it doesn't get as much airplay as certainly, you know, I think not as much as renewable natural gas and definitely not as much as hydrogen. Um, but it's something that, you know, is an exciting fit. And for those of us who are used to the molecule space, um, you know, and, and making high quality energy in remote areas, potentially small modular reactors. It's good to, you know, see they're continuing to get support and uh, continuing to come into the news. So I have my kind of cynicism or concerns about permitting and development. And mm-hmm. are you permitting the design? Are you permitting the site? So you have to permit it every time. There's some challenges and we've had some podcast guests that have addressed that. Uh, but you know, we're going to need a basket of technologies. And I think SMR is one of them. Yeah. And isn't it, uh, it's Bruce, isn't it? That's going to be installing the first SMR in Ontario. No, uh, Darlington. Oh, is it Darlington? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there, especially as it relates to permitting and actually just sort of fits in nicely with my next article that also has to do with uh, nuclear. Uh, So it is from the Metro News. It's dated January the 25th, and it's uh, titled Senate Passes Bill That Would Repeal Ban on Nuclear Energy Production. Mm. And it essentially is talking about West Virginia's Senate, uh, who overwhelmingly passed a bill that would repeal a ban on nuclear energy production in the state. The ban originally, from what I can see, uh, took place originally in 1996. And then the article really is just 
sort of a mix of, of different opinions from various senators and there's some kind of opposition to it and then you know they there's some people who are you know really not necessarily for it but it talks about um you know the fact that this could be a national security issue for some as it relates to radioactive material um other people are a little bit less concerned because there's so many different, so much regulation already around construction and the building and operations of these nuclear facilities worldwide that it's it's not like the wild west out there. Um, and then one of them, one of the senators uh, indicates that even you know he has a he has a strong uh, he strongly supports their coal industry and natural gas industry, but he thinks they've got to be open to supporting every form of power in West Virginia. So it then it led me to look up some statistics because you know how I like to you know look into yeah. these articles a little bit in a little more detail. So I went to the EIA, uh, which is the U.S. Energy Information Administration. And I just wanted to see, like, I knew that West Virginia was already coal-dominated from a power perspective, but I wanted to kind of understand, like, how much of it. So here's some interesting facts. West Virginia ranked fifth among the states in total energy production in 2019, accounting for 5% of the nation's total. Okay, whatever. In 2020, West Virginia was the second largest coal producer in the nation after Wyoming and accounted for 13% of the U.S. total coal production. Uh, West Virginia also had 12% of recoverable coal reserves at producing mines, the third largest reserve base in the nation after Wyoming and Illinois. And in 2020, coal-fired electric power plants accounted for, here's the, the big one, 88% of West Virginia's electricity net generation. Renewable wow. energy resources, primarily hydroelectric power and wind energy, contributed to almost 6%, and natural gas provided more than 3%. And then when I look at the 2019 consumption estimates that the um, that they also have on their website, uh, this is in trillion BTU. So in, of coal, consumption estimates in 2019 were just over 600 trillion BTU. Natural gas was about, I'm taking a bit of a guess here at the number, but let's call it 225 trillion BTU. Motor gasoline, excluding ethanol, was like, we'll call it 100, and about the same for distilled uh, fuel oil. So it was um, interesting for me just to kind of see that. Again, I knew that it was predominantly coal-fired, but uh, I think by repealing the ban, they are on the right track to at least cleaner energy, which is a good thing, um, regardless of whether it goes nuclear or it goes in some other direction. And maybe that's a mix of it. I think the important question is what do the truckers of Canada think about this ban? You, you, <laughs> quoted, you quoted a lot of people. I'm curious uh, what the Canadian truckers think. No, all joking aside, um, it reminded me, as you know, I like to go to my bookshelf. Um, yep. It reminded me of a book that I read called Cold Wars. Wars. You can okay. tell by the sticker on it, it did not sell very well. It was <laughs> $4. $4. Uh, but it's a great uh, history lesson of kind of coal in what it starts in, in in the coal industry in West Virginia, then it moves to China and then it comes back to kind of South Dakota. And, and then it looks at kind of these three areas that are driven by coal and how they have changed and a uh, great, great, you know, history lesson for anybody who's interested. The author is uh, Richard Martin. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting uh, discussion. We'll, we'll see. So the, the ban is a it's a repeal of a ban of new nuclear development. Is that what they're thinking is? 
Uh, well, I, I'm I'm guessing so. I mean, the original ban was in 1996, so so it's a repeal on, I guess, that original ban. Right. And obviously, they're considering putting nuclear in, but you know, the, you have you have all these different kind of opinions, and and whether they stick with nuclear, or they go to other technologies. You know, in some ways, uh, you know, I, I'll say I, I don't really care, I, except for the fact that they're they're cleaning it up, which is great, right? Like I think if they go to something that's a little more sustainable uh, long term, I think that's great for uh, for the state and for you know for for North America in general. Cool. Well, uh, I, I made a joke uh, about the truckers of Canada uh, for American listeners. Uh, look it up. Apparently, our prime minister is having a a big party, and he has invited all of our uh, nation's truckers, and they're all making their way to Ottawa to join the party. Uh, so this article might be of interest to those in the uh, trucking space. Uh, the headline, and it's from one of the people I refer to often, smartenergydecisions.com. The article headline is GM takes electrification beyond vehicles with fuel cells. And so mm-hmm. GM is, uh, they off- obviously offer, you know, uh, for, for light duty vehicles, they have they have an electric, you know, version, but they also are working on a couple fuel cell, hydrogen fuel cell technology uh, brands. One is Hydrotech, which is the brand that they're developing for heavy duty trucks, aerospace, locomotives, things that, um, you know, are big users and, and big power users and as a as a, a new driver of a pickup truck i'm excited that one day i'll move off of gas and onto fuel cells and not have to give up my pickup truck um, but they have taken this brand and moved it now to uh power gen and so they're working uh, with a couple folks to come up with mobile power gen applications mm. um even to provide fast charging for evs so oh Depending on who you follow on Facebook, you may see pictures where there's an EV that's that's a charging, and then there's like a diesel generator beside it, and it's a joke. And and but this that's what this is. It's going to be, um, you know, a, a mobile power generator based on the GM fuel cell platform that will then provide additional uh, EV capacity uh, for you know particularly for remote areas. So hmm. uh, kind of a cool uh, a cool piece. So they're uh, they're kind of rolling that out through some different partners, but looking for uh, a real market around fuel cells. And so this gets back to, you know, EVs. Yeah. Are they the, the future? Yeah. There's a big part for EVs, but this fuel cell technology and the hydrogen economy around that, there's definitely applications for that as well. So very exciting, uh, uh, you know, movement forward. So Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see if they deploy some of those at their own, uh, their own facilities actually. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, cool. That's awesome. Cool. Well, uh, that's catching us up to what's been happening in uh, in in news in our space. Now let's get to the main event, uh, and we will bring <laughs> our our content producer extraordinaire, Mark Charbonneau, to facilitate our face-off. Mark, you're having a great hair day, man. I know it's getting, it's getting a little wild, isn't it? So jealous. Uh... I, mine's get. I, I'm going for a haircut tomorrow, so I'll I'll look different next week. I'll look more presentable next week. But uh, yeah, mine's, you look great little... in here. Can you tell our, our viewers and our listeners what's uh, you're about to fall down? Um, what's behind you here? What's behind that you? That is um, a CHP project that we did back about a year ago. Last winter, two winters ago. I can't even keep track anymore because of COVID. Uh, it's two winters last ago. Last winter. Uh, hold on. Maybe it was two winters ago now. Yeah, we COVID just screwed it. me up with all the, with the timing. Yeah. but I I think yeah, it might it might be two. Yeah, it's two winters ago. I think. Yeah. I believe so. And uh, yeah, so it's a CHP project we completed and uh, it's a beautiful looking uh, unit there. Very cool. Very I'll, I'll, I'll give our I'll give our listeners just a little more information on it. Okay. I happen to uh, 
to know this project quite well. It's quite fond of my heart. So that is the Timmins and District Hospital. And uh, we are looking at uh, roughly, I'm trying to remember now, I think it's 287 kilowatts of CHP and uh, another megawatt on t- uh, two, yes, right, sorry, two mm. 287 kW TEDM units actually that are operating all year round uh, as a CHP unit, CHP units. And then you have another megawatt, which consists of two 500 kW Generac units okay. that are operating basically we'll call it 100 to 200 year, um, hours per year uh, for GA or global adjustment mitigation. So, uh, yeah, can, some pretty significant savings. And we actually did some really good, uh, well, not only did you f- film some good fo- fit, fo- um, uh, footage there, Mark, in terms of the drone footage and, you know, the rest of the interviews and everything else we captured, but some great um, content we can find on YouTube on that project for those of you that are interested. Yeah, maybe I'll link it in uh, the description of this when we post it so that That'd people can check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So face off, um, uh, you know, we're a couple years into this uh, pandemic and everyone's a lot of people working from home, <laughs> acquiring all kinds of pets, you know, getting birds, you know, dogs, cats, fainting goats, little ponies, bunnies, bunnies in our house. Jeez. OK, there you go. Oh, yeah. When, oh, when did that I happen? Know this. Don't know. I went away on business and they were back in the garage. No way. Oh, that's not quite true. I, oh. I, as long as I, anyways, let's let's get to the face-off. I may have. To use <laughs> okay. So the face-off would be pros and cons of having pets in the home, um, and like I said, during this pandemic, it seems everyone has something going on. So Matt, I will let I will allow you to uh, to make uh, the call on this coin toss. So go ahead. Heads. Would you like heads. Heads. It is tails. Oh. Yeah. So that means that means uh, Lisa gets to choose the pro or the con side of having pets in the home. Well, I I'm just gonna I want to play <laughs> with this a little bit. So let me give the listeners some background. So so I own two pets. Okay, I I own a cat and a dog. I love them to death. Um, Matt, on the other hand, I know over the last five years that I have worked for CEM and worked for him that he does not like pets. Uh, so much so that, you know, like if we were to bring a dog into the office, it would be like, oh my goodness, what are you doing? Like, I cannot stand this. So (laughs) only for that reason, I'm going to take the cons and I will try to argue it as best as I can. Wow. That's amazing. I, I just, for, you know, this is, this is, you know, timely. I feel like the Buffalo Bills right now. Um, I was just I, saying. I lost the coin toss. I'm going to lose the game. I'm not going to get a chance. It's you know, Go ahead, Lisa. You go ahead. <laughs> all right. I'm going to try my best. All right. So first of all, let's think of where we are. We're in the third year of this pandemic. And, you know, the every, like, think about, you know, everything. Matt, Matt was just talking about this. So this was the truckers and things like this. And, you know, have you have all these shortages. And, you know, it's from a, from a cost of living perspective, it's getting really expensive, right? House housing prices are going through the roof. Well, cat, cats, dogs, pets, whatever animal you like, you know, you choose, they're contributing significantly to that, you know, to that bottom line that you're bringing home because there's a ton of expenses. And, you know, whether it's food or toys or treats or I, I know even of some family members that have had to bring in their, their dogs or cats more recently. And like, we're talking about thousands of dollars of health bills. Like it's not, it's not like, it's not easy, right? Like three, four, $5,000 easy. Um, I think that's, that's a biggie, you know, huge, a huge expense. The other expense, which just adds to my point is every single time you go away, 
you have to find somebody to watch the pet. So you've got to put them into a boarding kennel and, you know, cats don't like that. They don't want to be away from their, you know, away from their surroundings. And, you know, dogs might not care so much, but it's expensive. It's like, you know, easy, easy between 40 and $80 per day, depending on the kennel you choose. So that's, do you think PCR tests are expensive? Just buy a pet. (laughs) The other piece is the time consumption. Like, okay, I own a pet. Tonight, when I finish work, I have to bring the dog out around the block for a walk. You have to play with your pet. You know, you've, it's, it's the time, you know, to change the litter box. It's like, you know, it's, it's like all of this extra time you've got to put into them because they're not necessarily, well, self-sustaining animals, unless you have a cat that decides to roam out, you know, freely. And, and I mentioned it earlier, but the healthcare costs are just huge. And so God forbid something does happen. Again, huge expense, and uh, and even unfortunately, putting an animal down costs a lot of money these days. So, I'll I'll form it all around the expense chart, and that's probably one of the the biggest cons to owning a pet. I gotta I gotta I gotta interrupt real quick. I think this is the first time I've seen Matt take notes during a roundtable. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I don't remember ever seeing him take notes during a roundtable. Oh, that's so, right. You're, for people that can't see. This is a first. Uh, it's a new. It's not a new resolution. It's just. Totally. <laughs> I, I wasn't aware that the price of shotgun shells had gone up uh, for, to your last. <laughs> so, um, so yes, this is very hard for me. Uh, and, uh, but I will do my best in the spirit of competition. Um, so I think, you know, I'll, I'll play out a couple of things that Lisa said. I think, uh, pets, particularly dogs, uh, for, from what I understand, uh, need a lot of activity. And so, uh, the, the humans that, uh, go with those dogs, um, they have to walk the dogs. And so it's a, it's a lifestyle that requires a lot of activity and requires, you know, um, I think that that's good. I think derivative of that is often you end up at a park or a dog park or whatever, and you get to meet new people. And there's a, there's a sense of community that's built around being an owner of a dog. You know, you know, oh, you have a dog? Oh, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen Lisa do it many times. Oh, I have a pet. You know, it goes over my head, you know, worse than worse than cycling does. Uh, but, you know, it's 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 a real thing, and, and community gets built around it. I think we talked about being two and a half years, three years into this pandemic. Um, and, you know, one of the things that have been the source of a lot of discussion is mental health. Um, and mental health is very important. And I think pets, there's a lot of studies and data that can come out that that, that prove that having a pet, um, you know, is is a source of, of, of mental health or at least can help your, your, your mental health and help improvement. Um, I think, you know, for kids to have a pet in the home, I see it, I, as I mentioned, we have two bunnies, they're both the same gender, so they're not multiplying like rabbits do, which is a good thing. Uh, but it teaches my kids responsibility. Every week they have to clean out the, the rabbit cage. Every morning one of them has to uh, feed it, they have to make sure the water didn't freeze in the garage, uh, make sure their little brother didn't let them out, all that good stuff. Um, so it teaches responsibility to kids and, and to adults alike. Um, I think you know there's a there's a role for animals to play in protection. Um, I think uh, they you know depending on the situation, if you need a dog that can be a guard dog, I think they can they can do that. Um, and and they're just so cute, right? They're just so cute. I think that's that's another one. So I, there's lots of reasons to do so. So, you know, I, I, I clearly came from behind as the Buffalo Bills didn't do and, and, and won here. I'll let Mark get official. So do you have, are these guard rabbits then or what? Yeah. <laughs> if we have an attack of carrots, we will be fine. If, if carrots well, walk, we will be fine. 
I, I just got to say, um, unlike the Bills, I got to give the win to Matt for being a good sport. And uh, um, and, and it's funny. I, I, we, I have to confess, I was going to rig this anyways. Um, so no matter what. No matter what my plan was to give you the pros at, at any cost. Oh, really? But it just oh. so happened that you did actually, um, you know, lose the coin toss. So I didn't, ha- I didn't have to cheat. So I feel good about that. <laughs> wow. Well. I, I, I literally had to mute myself at points during the when he was talking because I was just gonna burst out laughing. It was just too funny for me to hear this. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, well, great, great topic, Mark. I'm, you know. I'm surprised you didn't bring it up earlier, uh, knowing my affinity for animals. So, yeah, thank you for doing that, and hopefully our our listeners uh, enjoyed that. And uh, uh, thank you both for for this. It's always fun to get together and talk about the news, have some fun together. Uh, we should be together again next week. And until then, I encourage people to get out there, check out some of these articles. We'll link them, and uh, keep yourself uh, informed. It's uh, changing daily. So, thank you both. And don't forget, uh, adopt a pet. Have your pets spayed and neutered. Do we still say that, Bob Barker? (laughs) Yeah. See you guys. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.